0: Father in heaven, as we humbly, humbly bow this day, we we join in prayer as we, we worship you in spirit and in truth, in song, and with our words and with our thoughts and with our hearts and with our very being. And Father, we come to you this time before we open your holy and divine word. We we come to you in prayer. And Father, we are a family here, and so we are praying as a family for our family members. And Father, the, the, we don't want to leave anyone out. You know everyone that really needs prayers as well. And and please forgive me, and folks forgive me if somebody gets missed, but uh, the ones that's been brought to the attention today, Father, is Sharon and Jackie and Olivia and Pat and Evan and Tim and Kimberly and Felicia and Aspires. And I know that there's there's others, and, and I spoke with Ron Atkinson this morning, and he's he's doing okay. He's not doing what well as we would like. but he'll probably not get out of his wheelchair. And Father, we know we've got several that's that's been out for a while, and several that's that's got problems. Um, and it, it was good to see a couple of them back here today that could be. Be back with, with Sarah and, and and then Father, I just I just pray for their health and their well being. Everyone in this family is loved and wants to have your blessing upon us. Father, we pray for that. We pray, Father, that as we as we go forward, that you will also control this virus and control all of the things, and, and heal those who are sick with it. And, uh, Father, we ask all of these things in Jesus' name, and we ask your blessing upon this service as we open up your Word. Father, I pray that every heart will be open and receptive to what it is, and that, that hopefully we can apply it to our life and that we can walk with you through everything and, and that you will guide us and help us in this because it's, it's a tough walk, Father. Anymore. So we appreciate it, and we, we pray for that, and we, we pray for... Uh, a special way for Jim who slew that cross for for he, he really is is in a struggling time right now and I, I, uh, I just pray wholeheartedly for him I pray for his family that's taking care of him Father that uh, you'll be with them give them the, the peace the comfort, the understanding and the ability to continue on we ask all of these things Father to you, our God, our Father in Jesus name Amen. Well, sometimes you know, as you're as you're reading and you're studying and you're you're doing things, the scripture really just comes and stands right out, and just grabs it. And uh, I've been reading through the Book of Luke, and you know, Luke has a, a lot to say about what our Lord said and did during His life, and Sometimes you come across some things and you just say, Lord, thank you for giving me the grace, for giving me life, for giving me the ability to hang on here so that I can come to full understanding of of some of your word and what you would have me to do in in serving you. And that's that's happened this last week. And so uh, as I as I do my chores, I listen all the time because I'm going to tell you something. I can't stand to listen to the things that's on TV or radio or any of these things anymore. It's just, um, I am selective on what I hear and put into my mind anymore. Um, it, you know, it's about like what, what goes into your body, you say you are what you eat, you know, which is a lot of truth to that. But also, you are what you listen to spiritually and mentally. What you put in, garbage in, garbage out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. So I refuse to let them dictate what I'm going to hear and to put that kind of stuff in. The The Lord's Word said that uh, in Philippians 4, Finally, brethren, whatever things are pure, true, noble, just, lovely, good report, and if there's anything that's virtue or praiseworthy, think on these things. And that's what you try to do. You try to think on these things. I can think of nothing more noble and pure and trustworthy and full of virtue than the words that are in the Bible, and especially the Lord's words. And so I try to, to maintain that most of the time. And our main text today is going to be Luke 14, but if you want to turn to Luke 17, we will hit that first before we hit Luke 14. But I hope that and I know, because I've been around y'all long enough, that y'all have a deep and sincere love for the Word of God. And so, this is just something I want you to know, that I never speak anything to, to people or to your situations. I don't I don't know about your situations. I don't know your walk with God. And it's not any of my business, you know. As, as a pastor, my business is to study the Word and preach the Word, and as you, as his as his children, is to take that and apply it to your situations. I've applied it to mine first, and boy, it, it was kind of hit me a little hard this week, because it made me realize some things that I had overlooked a little bit, so I want you to know that it's never... It's always directed at me, and I'm hoping that you all gain something from it as well. And if that's the way that the that the spirit works through us for that, uh, it's it's, then it's for your personal application. So the thing was that hit me was to be lost. That that would be terrible to spend an eternity in suffering and away from God, and. How that most people, myself, is what I'm talking about. Always thinks because you think of yourself in kind of a high regard that that's not me. I'm good. I never. I don't have to worry about that. I want to make sure that no one else does. But then sometimes you get grounded. It's like, oh, you fool. <laughs> you you you've overlooked. You you got a high too high of a of a picture of yourself in all of this. You know, now I come across this scripture from the Apostle Paul. We're talking the Apostle Paul that wrote most of this stuff. And then he said this, I run this race, this thing called life. I run this race in such a way so that I might obtain the prize. So therefore, I discipline my body, buffet it, bring it into subjection daily, lest when I have preached to others that I myself might become disqualified. Can you imagine someone like Paul saying that? I have to do it every day so that I don't become disqualified. Wow. So let me explain what happened to me in Luke, okay? Let's let's start out. I'm going to to lay a couple of foundational scriptures first. It's going to, like, permeate everything. And the first off, I guess, what you could call the motto for today is is found there in Matthew 6.33 when Jesus said, Seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you seek ye second third fifth the kingdom of God now seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else that you're worried about is going to be taken care of. That's a promise from him. I got you covered, okay? But seek me first, and I'll have you covered on the rest of this. Now, it, when he says seek first, it wasn't a recommendation. It wasn't a helpful hint from, from you know, the Lord. That's in, in an imperative, present tense. And that means all the time, present means. And then imperative means it's a command. So it's not a helpful hint, it's a command all the time, seek me first and the kingdom and the righteousness of God, and I will take care of all the things that you think that you have to be searching for. So that's point number one for our, our overlying theme for today, is that seeking first, and I'll give you the things that you're setting your heart upon. Second one is Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, and and. This is so precious. If you have been risen with Christ, and that's where we sang that song, Are You Washed in the Blood? We talked about you've been buried with him in baptism and risen out of that water into a newness of life. And it says, if you have believed and done that and obeyed, you've been risen with Christ. And I want you to do something. Set your heart on the things that are above Where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affections. There's twice now he said the word set. Set your heart, set your affections on the things of God where Christ sits on his right hand and not on the things of this earth. And actually it says the things that are above. Set your mind on that. And again, that's present, active, imperative. That means you all the time need to be doing this. Set your mind on the things above, and your affections upon those things. That word for set is something like concrete. It's like, you know, Jesus said, build your house upon a rock and not upon sinking sand, right? So, When when we build this spiritual foundation, we're supposed to be like like an iron post with a home dug, and you feel concrete all around it, and that concrete begins as wet. But what does it do after that? Yeah, it gets hard, and it sets up. That's the word that's being used here. Set. Your mind, your heart, and your affections. And that affections is a visceral word. That's a word that comes from deep inside your bowels and your gut. That means kind of like that uh, command in Deuteronomy that Jesus brings forward. When they ask what is the most important uh, thing. And he says to love the Lord your God with all your with all your soul, your mind, and your being. That is a visceral, guttural affection from the very being that controls you. Set your heart, your mind, your thinking, and your love, who you are, upon Christ, upon the things that are above, because we have been bought with a price and we're not of this world anymore. We're of another world. So set your affections there. And then everything else that can wait. Set your affections. Seek me first. And everything else can wait. Now, let me take you to God's word. And we'll, we'll show you what he's talking about with these foundational scriptures here. Luke 17, if you're there with me now. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. In the coming of the days of the Son of Man for in that time they did eat and they did they did marry and they had wives and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all likewise also as it was in the days of Lot they were eating they were drinking they bought they sowed they planted and they built but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now I want you to look at what the Lord was saying there. We know the things that was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah that, that was going on that caused the destruction. We know the things that was going on in the days of Noah that caused that destruction. There was all kinds of wickedness. In Genesis, it said that every imagination and thought of the hearts of men was nothing but evil and violence filled the world. But I want you to see what the Lord is saying here. I don't see that he mentions any of that, does he? I don't see that he mentions any sin. I don't see that he mentions any of those things. What does he say was going on in that day? They were eating. They were drinking, and that's not like drunkenness. That's just normal eating and drinking is what he was termed here. They were giving in marriage and being married. They planted. They built. They did things. In other words, it just sounds like life, doesn't it? It sounds like the things of life in general, and all of these things are good things done in the appropriate way. They are all a part of life. God instituted marriage. God told us to go eat of these things and to drink. These are things that must be done. He told them to build. They built tabernacles and temples. But the thing is, is what he's trying to get across to folks is that those things don't come first place. You seek me first and my kingdom and my righteousness and all of those things will be added to you. You can do all of those things, but don't let them become the things that you set your heart and your affections upon. Your mind is to to be filled with me and your affections with me as you enjoy those things, but don't forsake me and leave me behind and put me in second or third place. You know, this is all routine stuff and honorable and uh, God-ordained. But don't let them consume you so that you lose track of whose you are and what you are and what you're supposed to be doing in life. Uh, Sometimes we get absorbed with life, don't we? Sometimes life becomes life and things happen and we get busy and all of a sudden it's been days since we've been reading the word, praying, fellowshipping with the Lord and thinking about it. it's kind of like the old, you remember the Frosty the Snowman? That, that old Frosty that comes on every Christmas time? You remember the magician guy who had the hat that went on Frosty? And at the end, he was, the, uh, they were kind of rebuking him a little bit at the very end of the show. And you remember what he said? I'm going to be busy, busy, busy. You remember that? That's what we get. And we get busy, busy, busy with life. And we begin to think of, about the things that are routine. But look at what Jeremiah is talking to the people in Jeremiah chapter 2. He says, O generation, see ye the word of the Lord. I have been in the wilderness and the Israel. Have I been like that? Have I not been around you? A land of darkness? My people, they will come no more to me. Why, why aren't you coming to me? Okay. You were my bride, Can a maid forget the ornaments and the adornment of her attire to who she was married to. Yet my people have forgotten me. What? Days without end. Days without number. You've forgotten me. Verse 35. Yet. Here's what we think in our hearts though because we have a high esteem of ourselves. Yet. Thou sayest because I'm innocent. Surely his anger will turn from me. Behold, I'm going to plead my case of why I was so busy, busy, busy. And God will understand and, and I will have not sinned in all of this. He says, My people have forgotten me. Days without end. Now, if you set your mind and you set your affections upon something, do you forget about it days without end? When, when you had puppy love and that first thing, the one that you loved, do you go days without end of thinking about that one? When you've been smitten and your affections were set there? Play poker with me now. <laughs> play poker. Keep your face straight. No, you don't, do you? No. That is what your affections are set upon. So, almost all your constant thinking and what you're doing is geared around that. God said, I want you to be that way with me, and your affections set upon me. But you've forgotten me days without end. And when I bring it to your attention, it's like, oh, but I was busy and I was innocent, and Lord, He's going to understand all of these things. And Then you look down there in verse 36, and I like this. He says, why do you gad about so much? You know, you just gad about. You're busy. You you do the things of you, and you've forgotten me and left me alone. How long has it been since you had your heart and affection set only upon him? You know, just this last week, I was talking to someone where I used to attend and he was telling me the things that was going on there now. And he said, you know, there's a big movement that they're pushing everything to where we have to be done within 40 to 45 minutes of everything. From the time we walk into the door to we tell them goodbye, they want it to be within 45 minutes because people are busy busy, busy, and he said, what's that extra 15, 20 minutes going to do for you in the big scheme of things, and I said, you know what, we start here at 10 o'clock, usually when I look up there, at what time I've quit, it's between 10 and 20 after, and then we still have the communion, so we're, we're about an hour and a half, and I said, most Sundays, there's people here talking for another hour or hour and a half. That's a compliment, because you guys love the Lord, and and you're not saying, man, this has got to be cut down to where you only talk 15, 20 minutes, and we're out of here at 40, 45, because we're here once a week to fellowship with the Lord, to get to know Him and His Word and His people, right? That's a compliment to y'all. He couldn't believe it, that y'all like being here an hour and a half, and then still stay afterwards to talk a lot. So, that's what we're talking about. Where's your heart and your affections set upon? Why do you get about so much? Uh, we get about everything. But the truth of God has not been emphasized to most of the people of the world about what he thinks about that. Let me tell you what he thinks about. First of all, Colossians chapter 1. This is a beautiful section of scripture. God the Father has made us to be partakers of an inheritance with him we are the saints in light. he's delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son do you understand that what we've got we've been translated into a kingdom of his son we've been delivered released from the power of darkness that held on to us in whom in Christ We have redemption through his blood. Are you washed in the blood? The forgiveness of sins. He is the actual image of the invisible God so that you know who and what God is like. He came and was like that. He is the firstborn of all the creatures. For by him were all things created in heaven, in earth. Everything that's visible, everything that's invisible, whether they be powers, they be thrones, they be dominions, whatever it is that has been created or was made, was made by and for him. Then it says this, listen, but yet he is the head of the body, the church, that's us, the beginning and the firstborn of the dead, that purpose clause. What's the purpose? In all things he might have preeminence. That means first place. That means not second, third. He has preeminence in all things. So now, don't just take my word for it. Luke 14. If you're there in 17, turn a couple of chapters back and go to Luke 14. I want you to see what Jesus says about this. Luke 14, and it begins in about verse 16. This is a story about the, a guy who was given this big feast, and in verse 16, Jesus tells them about his feast, then. And he says, This he said unto him that there's a certain man. Guess who that certain man is? It's him. This, this is him and God. They're going to make this feast. And he said, The certain man is going to make a great supper, and he bade many to come. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, all things are ready, come to my feast. And they all with one consent Began to just happily come along because they wanted to go to the meal. No, what's it say? With one consent, they began to what? Amen. Yeah, they made excuses. The first one said to him, Now get this I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go see it. I pray, let me be excused. Then the other one said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I've got to go try and prove them. Please, I pray thee, let me be excused. And then another said, I just married a wife, therefore I can't come. So the servant, he came back and he told the master all of these things that everybody says that they can't come. And the master, it says, was angry. And he said to his servant, go quickly into the streets, to the lanes, the cities, bring in hither the poor, the maimed, and the halt, and the blind, bring them all. And the servant said, Lord, it's been done, and yet there is still room. And I've done everything you've commanded, and we still got some more room. And he said, Okay, go back out. Go out to the highways, to the hedges. Compel them. Tell them about what's going to happen, and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. That's a serious passage, isn't it, right? a serious passage of scripture and if you got the red letter edition that's in red that's the Lord's words that's not me so don't don't come out with me and throw stones and stuff I'm just reading the scripture this is the Lord's verses He, he wants people to spend time with him and get to know him and to suck with him and his people And to be. He wants his house filled. And he wants us supping with him and to know him. Now, here we go. We're going to throw a huge shindig. This supping with the Lord, with the master. He he's going to have this feast. We throw one every Sunday here, don't we? We we have the communion. We have the feast that he has prepared for us. One day we're going to have a feast there when he comes to get his bride. We're going to have a wedding feast up there with him and be a part of that. That's the calling here of this feast is both of these, to have fellowship with him and to be a part of him. And he says, I'm throwing it. Now, I want to ask you ladies all something. You 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 are planning the biggest shindig out there, and you've told everybody about it. And you, in in their day, I'm going to get into. I may preach this whole chapter next week because there's so much going on. We're only taking a snippet, but in their day, you had to go kill the animals, do all the stuff, go find the vegetables, go do. I mean, it didn't happen. Overnight, okay. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. It took two invitations. The first invitation that went out was I'm going to have a feast, and you're invited. You're invited to it, and we're going to have a feast. The second invitation was when the feast was ready because they had to do all that prep. Who knows how long that was going to take, but you've been warned, so you are anxiously awaiting the feast, and you're going to put everything else aside when they call you up, because that's in the back of your mind. Your affections and heart is set upon having that feast with the Lord, and so when he's ready for it, you're going to be there. And so they've been told, but now the second word, he said, go tell them. It's ready. Come to the feast. And the first one, how, ladies, you've done all of that and prepped all that, but yet everybody turns their nose up and says, I've got something better to do. I've got something better. Do you think that Jesus is gonna say, well, that's okay. I I understand all of that you, you gadding about and, and you got your affection set on something else so I'm gonna put everything in the fridge that they didn't have back then and we're, we'll just do it another time Is that what you read How would you feel seriously if you did all that and everybody said no nope, how about this I bought some I bought some land the other day and I haven't been there to even see it yet. Yeah, who does that Is't that stupid? It is. Thank you, Ray, for interjecting that because I needed that. It's stupid if you bought a bunch of land and you have never laid eyes on it. And now when the Lord is calling the feast that he's already warned you that he's going to have. And you say, can I be excused? Because I've got this piece of ground and I haven't even ever seen it. And I guess I'd better go check it. Stupid, isn't it? But we do it, don't we? We make excuses, like what it said there. Something else takes the place of what should have been important. Now, if you bought the land the other day and you hadn't ever seen hide or hair of it, can it wait? Can it wait more than 45 minutes or an hour and a half to go check on it? Yeah, it can. can What about the second one? That's not a very good excuse. You should have looked at that beforehand, right? Now what about this one? Servant goes to the second person that's being invited to the feast, and he says, "Oh, wait a minute! I bought five yoke of oxen. I haven't tested them yet or anything. I think I need to go do that now instead of going to the feast. Please tell the master to let me be excused." How does that fly? You know, yeah, like a lead balloon, like a screen door on a submarine, right? You bought these oxen. It's not about the oxen. Abraham and Job could have told this man about the oxen. It says in the end of the book of Job that Job had 10,000 yokes of oxen. So this man having five yoke, it ain't about you've got possessions. It ain't about you've got a couple of ox. It's about where is your heart Where is your affections set? Who has preeminence in your life? Are you seeking first? Remember all those scriptures that we overwrote this with? It's like the rainbow over what we're talking about today. Are you seeking first me and my kingdom and my righteousness? Or do you got to go check out your oxen that you bought and don't know if they can pull the plow? You know, we were watching a movie the other day. I told you I don't, I hardly ever watch anything else, but I selected The Sons of Katie Elvin. Oh, John Wayne. I thought I'd seen it before and was going to watch the rerun, but I hadn't. I was so glad I watched that. But You know, at the very first, they're there for the funeral of the mother. And this just shocked me whenever they put this in there. I thought, what? it gave me one of those moments of, really? Why did they put that in the movie? But as the people were saying their condolences, the second man walks out and said, You know, your mom sold me a horse one time I got it home and found out it was blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's like what this guy just did. I, I bought some oxen, but I got to go see if it's blind or if it can pull or what I got a hold It's an excuse. And your heart and your affection is set on something besides me and my kingdom. Now you go to the third one, and this third excuse is a little bit more dandy. It, I just got married, and I've got I've got I got to be with the little missy tonight. I I can't come. Please let me be excused. Marriage is honorable, and the bed under the file, The Lord said, so it's not about being married. It's not about owning an oxen or owning a piece of ground. It's about where your heart and your affections are. Now, what the guy should have done. One lady doesn't like to get all dolled up and go to a huge feast and a celebration, and there's always music and everything with that. Who doesn't like to do that? So to set the priorities straight with your marriage, you should have said, honey, I love you. My heart and my affections are set upon you, but you know what? They're also upon my God. And he says, I've got to have you second and him first. I want to spend not only this life, but eternity with you. So we've got to start out on the right foot and we're, we're going we're gonna to get this thing off right and we're going to go to this feast. That's what should have happened. Setting your priorities, setting your heart and your affections in the right way, but he didn't do it. Now, how do you think that made the master feel whenever the servant came back and said, One's got some land that he's got to go see, see if he bought a – I remember I, – I don't remember what cartoon it was, but I remember as a young boy watching one of them old cartoons where it says they bought a pig and a poke. And the whole cartoon was about explaining what a pig and a poke was. This guy bought a pig and a poke with buying some land that he didn't know or the ox that he didn't know. And the other one had a little bit more legitimate, but it still was off on the wrong foot. He should have said, Esha, woman, come on, we're going. But no, he didn't. So the Lord didn't say, that's all right, those are all valid things, normal routines of life, I understand. No, he said, I'm not going to take second place. I'm not going to take second place in your life. You can still do all of those, but honor me. You're not going to be gadding about, as Jeremiah said, with life. And then come to me and say, oh, but he will say everything's okay. He'll understand. No, look at verse 21 up there again. So that servant, when the Lord asked him to go to those that were bent, he came back and reported. And he said, Lord, one person said this and that and the other. And the Lord, it says... I'm not going to hold them blameless. I'm just going to toss this stuff in the fridge. In verse 21, it says, The master was what? Angry. The Pollyannas of the world have branded Jesus with a brand that's not his. It says, The master was angry at that. And he says, I'm going to tell you something. Go to the streets, and you bring in those who and I'll explain to you that when we cover this whether it's next week or sometime in the future what he's talking about with going to the streets and compel all of these other make them come because there's a reason why they wouldn't have want to have come either but it's totally different from these guys it, it it's totally different but then look at 24 carefully for I so Jesus when he's turned this table this this parable started out being a man held a feast but now Jesus brings it back around that it's really about me talking to you. I say to you that none of those men which were bidden shall lie. That's harsh anger, Just what you told me a while ago. Man, that's tough. He was angry. He said, Get some other people who compel them to come, fill my house. But those who were bidden and should have been here and didn't want to be here, none shall taste my supper. Read letters again, don't get mad at me. And then he's going to go on to say, if anyone, anything, father, mother, son, daughter, wife, husband, family, friends, other things, If you place that above me, they cannot be my disciple. If you don't carry your cross daily, spend time with me, and get to know me and who I am, then you can't be my disciple. So what, that goes back to the first slide that says good things can keep good people from making the ultimate goal that they want to do. It don't have to be bad things. It can be good things that just distract us and take our focus off who should be preeminent and who should be first and what we should be having our heart and our affections set upon. Uh, <clears throat> the whole thing is we didn't know Him. People will be lost because they don't know Jesus and what He expects. From his people what was it in the parable of the virgins you remember that there was ten virgins there were five who were five, five foolish, prepared. foolish right and when you read about it it's all about like oil and and their lamps and and they fell asleep and then they woke up and five of had their oil run out and the five didn't and they went to go by and the lord came and took the five who who were prepared and took them in. The other five went to go by, and they came back, and the door was already shut to the wedding feast. And they knocked on the door, and they say, Lord, let us in. And the Lord said, what? Do you remember what he said to them? I never knew you. He didn't say, you sinned, just like we started out with in the days of those marrying, giving marriage, playing, he didn't say, you sinned, seen, you were late, look, look how sluggish you were. No, it wasn't that they fell asleep, because the other five fell asleep, but they had enough to carry him through. So it was okay. What was it? You didn't know me. You didn't know me. I don't know you. Depart from me. I never knew you. He wants us to fellowship with him. He wants to be first place. He wants us to know him. Another place in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 6 and 7. He said. The, the way is wide. That leads to destruction. But those on the narrow path. Can go through the gate. To those that was on the wide path. Of destruction. And they said. To, when he said depart from me. You know what they said. Lord did we not. Always prophesied? Did we not preach your word? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do good and wonderful things? You know what? There's good things, but they're on the outside. And you know what he said to them? I never knew. They did good things all the time in the name of the Lord. He says, nah, I, I never knew. You. He wants to be first have preeminence in our life. And that's why I say when all of this thing hit me, it was like, Lord, thank you for giving me the grace to live long enough to understand this truth and to make changes in my life so that you are first and preeminent in my life. And then I will trust in you to add all of those other things that I'm looking for, my plantings, my buildings, my oxen, my home, my wife, my marriage, my relationship, my family. Seek me first and I'll add all this to you. But you seek all of that first, and I'm on the back burner. I don't know who you are. You don't really know me because I told you I wanted preeminence. So as our worship team comes on back, I know this made such an impact with me this week. I hope it makes an impact with you that the Lord He loves us and He died for us and He He wants to forgive us and all the things that we already know. But the other thing is too is He wants preeminence in our life. He wants first place. He wants your heart, your mind, your affections set upon Him. So I just pray. I, I don't want me, my family, my brothers and sisters in Christ, those that I want to come in contact with. I don't want anyone to ever hear those words. I didn't know you. Stay on the outside. So it's been a huge warning to me. I hope it, it shakes you up a little bit too, so that we all seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Father, We just thank you for your message today. Oh, we get busy, busy, busy in this life and things happen and and we get distracted and and then our enemy loves it when he can distract us with things. And so, Father, I just thank you and praise you that your word says I want to know you. I want to throw a feast for you. I want to add to your life everything that you think is important. I'm going to take care of it for you. But just trust in me and keep me in your mind first. So, Father, thank you for for reminding us where our priorities are before it was too late. And thank you for your son, Jesus, who died for our sins and translated us from that kingdom of darkness into his marvelous kingdom of light. And, Father, thank you for the love that allowed him to do that.